0: The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. For more information, visit www.pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. Every week we're hearing stories about how God is moving in people's lives. So if you have a story to share, email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. We'd love to hear from you about how God is working in your life. Well, good morning, Pathways Church. It is great to be back with you um, some stuff on the ground when I got up this morning outside. Yeah, we don't see that. Uh, I believe it's 83 degrees today in Florida, but, uh, but I love it. It was beautiful. I, I texted my wife, Colleen, right away. It was like, it's snowing. She's like, take a picture. And you guys are like, we oh, whatever. So that's how we feel when you come to Disney World. Oh, whatever, okay. But um, it's great to be back with you. Uh, I believe this is my fourth time here, and each and every time you feel more and more like family. And so but thank you. Yeah. Um, and so it is especially um, exciting to be here today with Adam. And um, yeah, so it was a few years ago, uh, probably about four or five years ago now. And uh, my wife was working; she was pretty she was pretty stressed out, and 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 uh, she's a speech pathologist, and there was a lot going on in the um, in the. The medical world that she was working in at that time. So I decided to be a good husband, and I decided that I would take initiative, unsolicited, un- being you know not being asked to get down the Christmas ornaments from the attic, which was in the garage, and that I would begin to decorate the house. So when she came home, she would see the amazing, you know, handsome husband that she has, and uh, would just go, "I'm so blessed." And so I said to my son Jacob, our youngest, and he was about 13 at the time, I said, "Jacob, you need to come with me to the attic." Um, In the garage, I need to get up on the ladder and I need to get into the attic and I need to get all of our ornaments down. Sure, Dad, no problem. So we go in the garage and the ceiling, I mean, it must have been 30 feet, all right, 30 feet high. And so we get this steel ladder and I say, Son, hold the ladder. Hold the ladder. No problem, Dad. No problem. I got you. All right. So I climb up the ladder and I get to the top and I, you know, get, you know, open the attic there and I'm getting into the attic in the garage and uh, the the ornaments and everything were in the back of the attic, okay? So I had to get on the very top, and I'll just start by saying, Jacob was not holding the ladder, all right? My beloved was not holding the ladder. So as I stood, as I began to stretch, Jake, you have the ladder. Yeah, I got the ladder. He didn't have the ladder. All of a sudden, gravity took over, and I began to fall out of the attic. So as I'm plummeting, okay? I'm trying to catch myself. The, the, the ladder is, you know, I've kicked the ladder away, and so I'm catching and I'm falling. And if you can imagine, so we've got these two-by-fours, kind of the framing of it. I'm trying to catch them as I fall, and I got nails coming out of the two-by-fours, and they're scratching up my arms as I'm falling out. So then I find myself dangling from the attic, kicking my feet, screaming for my son Jacob, who was supposed to be my helper, supposed to hold the ladder, well, Jacob turns around, and Jacob could not stop laughing as I dangled there helplessly, but he couldn't, so he couldn't get the ladder, and I'm screaming at him, okay, blessings upon him, I'm just, get the God-loving ladder and get over here and save your dad, and I'm hanging there, because if I drop, I'm breaking my legs on this steel ladder... So eventually, he gets the ladder. Eventually, I get down. To this day, this is five years ago, the attic is still broken. I never fixed it. The ornaments are still up there. We just bought new ones, all right? I had cuts and bruises. I tried to find a picture to show you guys, but it was a real mess. It was a mess, and I was not in the Christmas spirit. I didn't even want to do Christmas anymore, okay? But the truth of the matter is all of us can relate to mess, Mess meets all of us eventually in life, amen? More on that in a moment. Uh, Right now, we're currently in a series, Behold Him, and we're examining the central figures of the Christmas story. So a good friend of mine, Ben Markham, was here last week, and he was talking about uh, the life of Mary and her significance in the Christmas story, obviously very significant. And we're looking at these different figures and characters of the Christmas story and how God met them and how they experienced God in a very personal way in this very supernatural, world-altering, world-changing event that we know as Christmas. And as we think of the Christmas story, maybe you're like me, and, you know, we have this vision that it was this real kind of peaceful thing. And here's a nativity scene here that someone, you know, an artist depicted. And so we've got, you know, Mary and Joseph are just traveling through the land there of Israel. They get to an inn. There's no room. But you know what? We have a barn and we'll make you a fire. And there's straw, and you can put baby Jesus down in the manger. And we've got livestock, but they're friendly livestock. They smile, and they're all circling around. And we've got these, these, these magi, these wise men, and they look kind of creepy, but they're bringing gifts, okay? And we've got a little drummer boy in a corner just drumming away, okay? And it's peaceful. But the truth of the matter is, as we understand the story contextually and in the culture of the day, The Christmas story, the first Christmas, was a real mess. It was messy, and it was stressful. And many people, because they couldn't see the end of the story, who were part of the story, I believe were finding themselves in the middle of the mess asking this question, where are you, God? Where are you, God, in the messiness of life? And maybe some of you today are walking through a mess because mess meets us all, and you're falling out of the attic, if you will, and you're like, God, where are you? And I'm so excited, so encouraged you're here today because I believe God has a word for you. To understand the messiness of this, you've been looking at different characters, and, and there's someone we can look at today that I don't think gets a lot of love. When you look at the, the Christmas story, I mean, we talk a lot about Mary, rightfully so. We talk a lot about Jesus, talk a lot about the shepherds, but you know someone who doesn't get a lot of attention? Joseph. I mean, Joseph was a big part of the Christmas story. And I believe the more we can understand contextually what was going on in Joseph's life, probably what was going on in his heart, in his mind, as he was trying to process all these events as they were unfolding in real time, in real life, I believe we can understand More significantly, the meaning of Christmas and what it meant for Joseph 2,000 years ago and what it still means for us today. So anytime you look at Bible characters, it's always helpful to remind yourself that these are men and women, individuals just like you and me, ordinary people. All of scripture is all about God using ordinary people to accomplish the extraordinary. That's hope for all of us. But these are real people going through real things, having real emotions, real lives. I remember going to Israel and walking the land, and, and I read all these stories throughout the Bible. But when I went to Israel, I was just, I, it, was just, it was overwhelming to go, these people really existed. These places really exist, just as the Bible says. These are, these are true fictional stories, non-fictional stories about real people like you and me. So Mary and Joseph were likely teenagers, they were teenagers, and even that picture's got Joseph with gray hair. He didn't have gray hair. He was a teenager. And some of you here today are teenagers, and I have teenagers, and, or your parents have teenagers, and I'll just tell you this about teenagers. I love you, teenagers. But you're kind of a mess. Right? You're a little bit all over the place, right? Your hormones are raging, and, and life, and you're trying to figure out life, and you don't know what you want to do with your life, and it, it's stressful, and it's messy, and you've got all these things pulling you all these different directions, and you're trying to figure it all out. Mary and Joseph were teenagers, so Joseph was probably in his late teens, and when all this is unfolding, Joseph, as we're going to see here, was probably pretty stressed out because it was a lot for anybody, but especially for a teenager, to comprehend what God was doing, the extraordinary that he was doing through this ordinary teenager's life. So come with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to pick up the story here, and we read this in Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, this word pledged is important. Again, as we understand things contextually and within the proper, um, the cultural context here, the word pledged means that they were already legally married. So they've already tied the knot. But before they came together, scripture says, so before the marriage, before they consummated the marriage, I think you know what I mean by that, she was found to be pregnant. Okay, so just put ourselves in the story. Okay, you're married, but you hadn't had your wedding night yet, but you're married and you find out from your bride that she's already pregnant, but you had nothing to do with it all right, immediately that would create in you some stress, would it not? That would create in you a little bit of a mess. My wife, we haven't had our moment yet, is pregnant. Well, in Joseph's mind in that time, because he doesn't have the end of the story, that can only mean one thing, and this creates stress. See, we know from historical hindsight, which is always 2020, that Mary was a young virgin girl, probably 14 years of age, and she's pregnant. She gets pregnant by a supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to carry and deliver Jesus, the Son of God, who will save humanity from our sins, whose kingdom will never end. You know what? And here today in 2023, we're good with that. That's awesome. Fantastic. An immaculate conception, virgin birth. Yes, of course. But again, remember where Mary and Joseph were in the story. None of that had happened yet. So they're caught in the middle of this mess. They're caught in the middle of this stress. And we know as we look at the pages of Scripture that that Joseph was a righteous man. He walked with God. So can you just imagine Joseph for a second? I mean, think about your own life. Those of you who are walking with God and you're going through life and you're trying to honor the Lord, then all of a sudden, mess and stress hits you. You're like, God, whoa, wait, time out. Thought we were on the same team. But what we'll see here and what has to be encouraging for all of us that God is always working in our waiting. God is always working in our mess, and that's why hindsight is always twenty twenty. because when we look back, we can see where God was working, but in the middle of it, in the midst of it, it's hard to see. God, what are you doing? My wife's pregnant? And this would bring great consequences to Joseph. But how would Mary tell Joseph that she was pregnant? Like, how do you break the news? Well, if we bring it to today's context, you know, teenagers today, the primary way they communicate is via text. I mean, you could have two teenagers sitting next to each other, and they're going to text one another, right? There's not a verbal, audible conversation dialogue that happens. They text. So we took some liberty with this and kind of just kind of, you know, kind of speculated what would that conversation sound like, given the fact that they don't have the full picture yet, and so... Follow me. Again, these are two real people, ordinary people, trying to figure out the mess they're in. So maybe it sounded something like this. What's up, baby? How's my little Hebrew honey? Joseph, how's my favorite carpenter? Well, I'm living the dream. Your dad accepted my dowry today. I think he's starting to like me. And I'm just putting the finishing touches on our new place. You're going to love it. Want to watch Dancing with the Rabbis tonight? Um, Well, you, you, you got a sec. Anything for you, my Israeli wonder wall. What's going on? Well, Joseph, I need to tell you something. Yes. Well, there's no easy way to say this. Yes. Dramatic pause. Joseph, I'm pregnant. (laughs) Well, babe, you really are bad at jokes. I think all the wedding planning is really getting to you. I'm serious. And I know this is shocking, but I can explain. Well, who was it? It's Jacob at the bagel stand, isn't it? No, no, Joseph, wait, it was the Holy Spirit. The holy who? No, it's Levi at the hummus bar, isn't it? No, it's the Holy Spirit. See, an angel named Gabriel came to me and told me I'm going to have a boy and he's going to be the savior of the world. Really, Mary? You seriously think I'm an idiot? How could you? No, it was the Holy Spirit. Don't you realize what this means? It was the Holy Spirit. Right, right. Goodbye, Mary. <laughs> Possibly. It's deep in the Hebrew there in the Greek, okay? Possibly. I mean, think about it. These are teenagers. It was the Holy Spirit. Okay. You ever had anybody ever give you the God clothes? God told me to do it. And you're like, okay, what do I say to that? Joseph didn't know. We're not that far along yet in the story. And maybe it wasn't exactly like that, but we know it was something close to that because here's what we read in Matthew 1, 18 and 19. We read this. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, but but Joseph did not initially believe her. And we read this. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, Joseph was a righteous man, and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly, Joseph didn't believe her at first. It was more than he could understand. This was too messy for him. He couldn't see God in the middle of this. Now, his only conclusion, as would be for any of us, is that his wife has been unfaithful to he and his family. And see, Mary's pregnancy doesn't just create a sense of enormous betrayal and broken hearted disappointment. Culturally, it would bring with it a huge public dishonor to Joseph and both their families. But it would even get worse. See, by, according to the religious law of the day, a woman caught in infidelity or adultery was punished by death by stoning. So Joseph's in a real conundrum. This is a mess. This is his wife, who he loves, but if this gets exposed, his wife and the baby are at risk of losing their life. And this is why it says, in order to protect her, because he didn't believe the message of what she was saying in that moment, the message of the messiness, he was going to divorce her quietly to try to preserve her from public humiliation, but also protect her life and the life of the baby. Joseph, as any of us would be, is under pure stress. And we can all relate to feelings of stress, just like Joseph, navigating the messiness of life, because we are all just like Joseph. And maybe you fielded some of these text messages. Maybe you've gotten a message from your husband, I lost my job. Maybe you got a text, honey, we can't pay our mortgage this month. Maybe you got a text from one of your son or daughters that say, mom, dad, I don't know if I believe in Jesus anymore. Or maybe you got a text from your wife that says, we need to talk. Maybe you got a text from your doctor that says, your test came back, please call our office ASAP. Or maybe you're even sending yourself internal messages that say something like this, I don't know if I have what it takes you know what, I don't even know if I'm worthy of love. Or right now I feel so stuck in life, I feel so tired of life that I don't know if I even want to do life anymore. The messiness of life eventually meets us all. And we are all just like Joseph. We are all just like Mary, trying to process God, where are you in the middle of this mess? Last night, I was laying in bed and just praying. And I've been going through something. I'm in a journey right now in my own life. And just really, it's stressful. And in some ways, it's messy. And I'm tired. It's been a three year journey. And I'm laying there and I'm just like, Lord, I'm tired. I'm tired of the mess of this. I'm tired of the stress of this. I can't really see you in this. I can't really feel you in this, but I'm exhausted. I need you to come. I need you to move. I need you to reveal yourself. Pathway Church, all of us are walking through something either today or we walked through something previously or we're going to walk through something eventually. Where it's going to be a mess and it's going to be a stress, and we're going to look up to God, we're going to cry out to God and say, "God, where are you in the middle of my mess?" And it's hard. And I don't want to stand up here and pretend. Hey, I'm a pastor, and I, so I just know it's hard. And we get angry, and we get frustrated, and we get scared. Do we not? And at times we're like, well, I gotta be a Christian, so I gotta just I gotta just soldier through. And we put on this front. And like, no, God's big enough to handle our mess. God's big enough to handle our vulnerability. And Joseph was was vulnerable. Joseph was reacting to the situation as any of us would, and we read about it right here, verse 20. But after he considered this, and this word considered, as you translate it from its original language to the English language, means this, but after he had fumed this. See, Joseph, when he got the initial news, was furious. Furious. And we're walking through the mess of life, and maybe one of the emotions you, 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 you manifest, and maybe you're manifesting it today, is you're furious. Why, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? Because we don't have the 2020. We're still in the middle of the mess. And This was Joseph. He felt betrayed. He was disappointed. He was scared. He was confused. He was hurt. He was angry. So what does he do? He does what probably any of us would do. He fumes. And we don't know how long he fumes, but he's, he's stressed out here. His stress is probably off the charts. There was a, some psychologists about 50 years ago who put together this stress scale. And what they did, they put a scale together to measure the, the degrees of stress that, that, uh, that we experience as human beings. And they gave a numerical value to the different ways we experience stress, the different circumstances of our life. So zero would be the lowest, 100 would be the highest, and anyone over 300 that would, um, you know, rate over 300 on the stress scale would be in serious health danger. Physically, they would be in danger because of the stress. And we know the stress kills Stress kills. Stress literally takes years off your life. And so someone took what all Joseph was going through, and they put it against the stress scale. And I just want to show you. And you can read here some of the things that were the realities of Joseph's story. And you can see the numerical values that were associated to the things he was walking through. And we can relate because we're just like Joseph. Think about your own story And some of you have walked through this, some of you are walking through this right now, and think about what that does to your stress level. The death of a spouse, the threat of death of the spouse, that'd be pretty stressful. And as you move through all this, we see again that that Joseph was, was a human being just like you and I, a teenage human being. And he was dealing with this immense stress. He was dealing with the messiness. So any kind of depiction we have that the Christmas story is just sitting around a warm fire and it's all peaceful and cozy is not the real Christmas story. The real story is messy. The real story is people with real stress and mess and wondering, just like you and I do, in the middle of that, where is God? Where is God? Some of you today can relate to Joseph's stress. You're off the charts right now. And you're feeling it, not only spiritually, not only emotionally, but you're, you're feeling it physically. And that stress, maybe the stress of moving, maybe you relocated recently, or that stress of losing a job, or that stress of, of losing a loved one, you're grieving right now. Or that stress of the marriage, the tension, and in the, in the, in the tough times of marriage, it's real, it's real relationally, with, with family members or with kids, maybe kids, you're stressed right right now in relating to your parents or relating to your teachers, that stress is real. And we can find ourselves in the middle of that, and we love God. It doesn't mean we don't love God, but we're like, God, where are you? Where are you? And you know what all of us want in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our stress? I believe it's probably unanimous. All of us want the same thing. You know what that is? Peace. When we're in the middle of our mess, when we're in the middle of the stress, ultimately what we want is peace. And the thing is is we try to find peace sometimes in other things. We try to find it in people. We try to find it in purchases. We try to find it in plans, we try to find it in politicians. we try to find it in our purses. But that's not where ultimate peace can be found. And the meaning of Christmas and the purpose of Christmas gives us what the true meaning of Jesus coming to earth is this. It's entering in and bringing his peace into the middle of our mess. See, something significantly happened to Joseph, that first Christmas story, that changed everything. And this is what happened. Jesus. Jesus is what happened. So we leave off with Joseph uh, Joseph fuming in the middle of his fuming, God sends him a message. God begins to bring this message as he does us. God begins to reveal himself in the middle of our mess. And God speaks through an angel. Verse 20, he says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph. Remember, Joseph fuming. He's furious. God, where are you? God always shows up. Appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. How many times do you need to hear that? You're going through something, maybe right now, and you need to hear God say to you, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What would that do to you? What would that do to me in the midst of a To hear God say, don't be afraid. I can see what you can't see, and I'm working in your waiting, and I'm producing something greater. The angel speaks, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And God, in this moment, as He does with all of us in time, He brings us this assurance. The things, as they were seeing, were going to play out ultimately different, and they just had to trust the Lord. He was producing something greater. There was a purpose for whatever the pain they were feeling. God was going to work something significantly for their good and for the good of all humanity. Trust me. God was in the middle of their mess. And God makes it crystal clear. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, speaking, he's speaking to Joseph, because he will save his people. The name Jesus translated as God saves. Saves the people from what? From their sins. God would ultimately bring the ultimate peace, which is peace with him, taking on the mess of our sin, our shame, our chaos. He would take it upon himself and trade our mess for his righteousness, his goodness, our pain, for his peace. And this is the message of Christmas. And how is this peace administered to us? Well, in the story, we get another name for Jesus. It's the name Emmanuel. We read this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means this, God with us. So what is it that administers the peace to us? It's God with us. Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, who came to earth in the form of humanity, flesh and bone, to live like us, to ultimately die for us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And in that act of coming and dying and resurrecting, we were reconciled to God, and peace was made once and for all with God. And to experience God's peace, we have to be in relationship with God, which is made possible through the Prince of Peace, Jesus, who came to live and to die so that we can be reconciled to God and have peace today and for all eternity with God. But it's not just peace and salvation. It's the peace in God's presence that dwells within us through the gift of this Holy Spirit that wants to administer his peace to us. As we release whatever the mess is and we ask God the Prince of Peace, to come and bring your peace. He administers his counsel. He administers his peace. He administers his love. He administers his comfort. And so many of you within the sound of my voice here and watching online can testify to this, that God has met you in the middle of your mess. And this is the hope of the Christmas story. God with us. Because God's greatest present to us is His presence with us. God's greatest present to us is God's presence with us. And He loves you so much, and He loves me so much, that He did not leave us in the middle of our mess. The whole meta narrative of Scripture is this God bringing shalom, God bringing peace to the chaos of the world. That's the message of Jesus. God enters into our mess, the Christmas story in a manger, in a barn, with straw, livestock, with you know, all the stuff that you can imagine is going on in that barn. It's messy. But it's a beautiful picture of what God is entering, willingly, entering into, to ultimately bring us peace with Him. And we can live our lives experiencing his peace as we live the life God has called us to live and enabled us to live through Jesus. So where today do you need to experience God's peace? Where today maybe the messiness of a situation, the stress of a situation, and you're feeling it emotionally, spiritually, you're feeling it physically, you would say, you know what, the one thing I need right now is God's peace. And I thought about this, and I thought, um, how would Pathways respond to this? And I just feel like the Lord uh, led me to, to, to help us in these remaining moments potentially experience God's peace in a real way, in a tangible way. And whatever it may be that you're walking through, mess or stress, that you're able to leave it with Jesus and to walk out the door today different than you came. Walking out the doors, going, in that moment, I was able to experience God's peace. And so I want to give you an opportunity. There's no better time than the present, and this is the church. That's what we're here to do is to experience God, to meet with God. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that, and it's going to, you know, I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable, be a little transparent. And I believe God wants us to be vulnerable. I believe God wants us to be transparent because he wants to meet us in a real way. And he doesn't want you to continue to, to pose or put on or act like there's nothing. He wants to meet you in your mess. In Philippians 4, the apostle Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to ask, can we just turn the lights down here just a little bit, just to try to make it a little bit more intimate. And whatever you have in your hands, um, if you set it aside, if it's a baby, don't set that aside. But whatever you can do, set that aside. And I want to ask you just just to get real. There's no other place that we should feel more comfortable to be real and honest and vulnerable than in the church. It's okay to say you're not okay. It's just not okay to stay not okay. Okay? So I want to lead you through a prayer. And there's something powerful that happens when we name it. I think there's something really significant when we name either this, uh, a sin, which, which this is not a time of confession, but when we name something we're struggling with, there's something powerful in naming it. And I believe what we're doing is we're calling it into the light. It's coming out of the shadows, and it's coming into the light. And we're allowing God's light, the light of the world, Jesus, the light of the world who stepped into the darkness to come and to, to, to shine on this area where ultimately he can heal ultimately he can bring his peace. Because what we need in the middle of all this is not something that John Parrott or Adam is up here saying, what you need is you need Jesus. That's what you need to experience. So I'm gonna lead you. I'm gonna ask us all to close our eyes. Lord God, we just come to you right now and we know and believe that you are here with us in this very space. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the Everlasting Father. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. And we know that you know the mess we're walking through, God. We know that you see us. You know exactly where we are in this moment. You know what we're feeling. You know what we're thinking, considering So Lord God, right now, we ask you to come. We ask your presence to just come and to move and minister, God, according to your will. So I want to ask you to do something. When everyone's eyes closed, I want to ask you to do something that may feel a little bold. And this is just kind of challenged by choice. I don't want you to feel forced to do this. But if if you're here today and you're struggling with thoughts of fear or anxiety, I want to ask you to stand. If you're here today and you're, you're dealing with thoughts of depression, I want to ask you to stand. If you're here today and you're struggling with thoughts of uncertainty about life, future, situation, I'll ask you to stand. If you're here today and you're struggling with thoughts of anger, you're fuming, you're raging, I want to ask you to stand. If you're here today and you're struggling with thoughts of being hurt, you've been wounded, you've been wronged, I wanna ask you to stand. If you're here today and you're filling with thoughts of thoughts of being abandoned, neglected, rejected, I wanna ask you to stand. If you're here today and you're thinking about life and contemplating the meaning of life and is it even worth living, I want to ask you to stand. If you're here today and you're struggling just being a parent, the stress and the mess of that and all that comes with that, I want to ask you to stand. If you're here today and you're dealing with the grief of losing someone, physically, relationally, and it's stressful and it's messy. I want to ask you to stand. I want to ask everyone to open their eyes for a minute and just look around. If you're standing, if you would please remain standing. And people don't know the reason why you stood. But I want you to look around the room. This is why Jesus came. Because all of us, all of us, no matter what, at some point are going to go through some mess. We're going to go through some stress. We're going to cry out and wonder, God, where are you? And God sent his son, Jesus, to say, I'm here. I'm here with you in the middle of your mess. I have not forgotten you. I have not forsaken you. I have not abandoned you. And although you may not be able to see it right now, I'm working in your mess. I'm producing something greater that's going to make you stronger and there's going to be a purpose. Trust me. Trust me. I'm with you. And the beautiful thing about God and his love and his grace and his mercy and he's a good, good father is that he doesn't expect us to walk through this in our own strength, which is why he's given us the power and the presence of his spirit, the wonderful counselor, the healer, the comforter. God's presence is with you and me to minister to us, just like God was ministering to me last night in my bed as I was praying and as the the woman, Linda, came to me after the 9 a.m. and said, God has a word for you. And she spoke the word of God. God ministered to me in that moment. He said, John, I'm right here in the middle of your mess. But what God was calling me to do and what he's calling me to do more and more today as I'm processing this is I have to release it. I have to give it over. You and I can't carry our mess. We can't carry that hurt. We can't carry that anger. We can't carry that fear. We have to give it over because it will eat us alive. And we release it. And when we release it, we receive his peace. So in this moment, I want to give you an opportunity to release whatever the mess, whatever the stress, right now, you're going to release it. You're going to leave it at the feet of Jesus. And we're going to pray God's peace to come and replace that place of fear, anxiety, whatever that may be. So let's close our eyes. And if you're not standing, you probably know someone who may be going through something. Or if you feel comfortable, maybe just place your hand on the person next to your shoulder. There's something powerful when we sense a sense of solidarity in the community of God. This is the church. And God can heal however he wants. But I believe, in my story, known to be true, one of the primary ways that God heals is through community. It's real men, real women, being real honest and vulnerable and transparent saying, I'm not okay. God's saying, let me meet you. Not only am I going to meet you, but I've given you a church that can step into the mess as well. And that's what it means to be the Church. So, I want to lead you through a prayer. Let's close our eyes and you can be seated. I want you to just pray this in your heart right now. Savior Jesus, I confess my need for your peace. My life is messy and I'm stressed. And right now, I'm wrestling with thoughts of, and you fill in the blank, and be as honest as you can be. I'm wrestling with thoughts of anxiety. I'm wrestling with thoughts of fear, thoughts of suicide, thoughts of grief, thoughts of hatred. Be honest. So today, Because you are Emmanuel. You are the God in the middle of my mess. First and foremost, I trust you. I declare that I trust you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Maybe in this moment, you've yet to place your trust. And I would say this, to experience God's peace, we have to be in relationship with God, which is made possible through the Prince of Peace, Jesus, who came to bring us peace with God, and it's only in a relationship with Jesus, the Savior of the world, as we surrender our lives to him, are we made right with God? And then his presence, his power, his spirit comes and dwells inside each believer. And maybe in this moment, this is a moment of surrender. We say, Jesus, I just surrender my life, and I ask you to come and be my Savior, to bring your peace to my chaos. then right now I want you to release. So whatever it is, your anxiety, your fear, your depression, suicidal thoughts, your grieving, your anger, say right now, Lord, I release this to you. I release whatever that is, I release it to you. I lay it at your feet. I don't want to carry this anymore. I don't want to walk around with this anymore. I don't want to identify with this anymore. I release it. In the name of Jesus, I want you just to open your, your hands. Open the palms of your hands upward, wherever you are. I want you to pray this. Lord God, now I receive your peace. I receive your peace over my mind. I receive your peace over my heart. I receive your peace over my relationships. I receive your peace over my provision. I receive your peace over my frustrations. I receive your peace. Just allow God's peace right now to come and just to minister to you. Be still and know that he is God. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He's not abandoned you. You've never been more loved than you are right now. God is with you. They're in the mess. And he sent Jesus so that you and I did not have to walk through this alone. So, Lord, I just pray for each person here, the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray this season, God, they would experience the true meaning of Christmas. God, the greatest present for us is your present with us. God, they would sense your presence in a way that is real, in a way that is tangible, God, in a way that is transformative, that whatever it is that they stood for or whatever it is they're processing the mess, Lord, they would be able to release it over and over and receive your peace, that you would bring healing, you would bring reconciliation, you would bring wholeness, you would bring forgiveness. For this is the meaning of Christmas. Lord, I thank you for this church what it's meant to me, Lord, I pray your peace upon this church, and that this church would be a beacon of hope, The men and women here would be agents of shalom, agents of peace, that take the peace that you have given them within and dispense it to a world that is so desperate for it. We thank you for Jesus makes all this possible. The Prince of Peace, in his name, we all agree together, Pathways. Amen and amen.